today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Harvey Levin here. Derek here. So we're having a law off today. Um, We're um, representing our respective law schools. And normally you would do who is the smartest. Um, In our case, we're going to do who makes the dumber comments. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) See how that plays out for you. Yeah, we we decided to do this today. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to start with something very serious. So um, you know that during the Alec Murdoch uh, murder murder case, the investigation, something came to light that reopened a case involving a 19-year-old named Stephen Smith. Um, he was killed uh, in eight years ago, and they ruled it a hit and run. It was never a hit and run. It was insane. It was so clearly a homicide. Had none of the indicia of the injuries of a of someone who was hit by a car. None of them. None. There were no car parts around. Um, he didn't have any injuries below the torso. His shoes were still on, even though loosely tied. They would have blown off. Um, he had a gaping wound in his head. It looked like either from something like a baseball bat or a, a bullet. Yep. And um, and it, so much didn't make sense. I mean, he was walking three miles without using his cell phone in the middle of the night, and none of it made any sense. But the coroner, the deputy coroner, somehow decided, even though cops said, look, this is a murder, um, she said, no, um, it's a hit and run, which was bizarre. During the Murdoch investigation, they found something that may, that turned this case from cold to hot. Yep. And um, they have uh, uh, Sandy Smith, who is the mother of Stephen Smith, has been you know fighting, and um, and she wanted to get the body exhumed for a private autopsy. Well, they exhumed the body on Friday. They're going to be doing this private autopsy. The autopsy is going to show cause of death. It's not going to show who did it, right. but it's going to show cause of death, and that's really important because something really untoward happened here. Yeah, the only connection that we've heard about to the Murdaws is this was a classmate of Buster Murdaugh. And he Stephen Well, we heard more. There were people suggesting there was some sort of a relationship. Now this is something yes. Buster Murdaugh denied. He said I didn't I didn't have that. I had no involvement in this. So he's been strong on that point. And Stephen Smith was was openly gay in South Carolina. He was a young kid. That context sort of plays into where this took place and sort of what the politics are of that region. Now, there there are now, look, we should say that Fit News, which really has been leading this investigation, um, Fit News came out on Friday and said that there were they had sources saying there were two persons of interest and possible suspects. They are not in the Murdoch family. Um, A lot of people thought it might be Buster. A lot of people thought it might be uh, Paul, who died, who was murdered by his dad. Uh, but now they're saying that at least persons of interest, they're not Murdoch connected. Not members of the Murdoch family, right? But right. They, because, you know, we don't know. This is a family that had very deep connections in the community. So just because the names of the two people that they're looking into aren't Murdoch names doesn't mean that they don't have some tenuous connection. So they'll have to continue this investigation. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it certainly isn't what people thought. Right. I will say that. Um there are bizarre things that happened. Randy Murdoch, who is Alex Murdoch's brother, who was a lawyer, um, went to the Smith family uh-huh. and talked to Stephen Smith's dad and said, look, I'll offer you help. The thing is, he offered him help even before the the body was identified as Stephen Smith. Yeah. 
How is that? I don't understand that element of it. That's what what will be the most interesting aspect of this investigation is why did the Murdoch's take an interest, Randy Murdoch in this instance, initially in the death of Stephen Smith, who, while tragic, it's a small town, maybe he was a lawyer who wanted to offer his services, but apparently he offered his services, quickly sort of uh, assessed the situation, and then backed out, and then never had contact with the family after that. What what prompted the initial sort of interest in this case? And how did they how- end up around the scene of where this happened? Now, it's true so that they live, they live around there, but there were just some really curious things. Very. So this is going to be a private autopsy. What Look, I think what everybody wants to know here is how on earth this deputy coroner could call this a uh, hit and run. And, and when she was confronted by one of the lead investigators, by the, a police investigator, and said this was a homicide, she got belligerent with him. And she was like, that's your job to prove it, not mine. Well, it may be his job to prove who did it. But if the indicia are not there for a hit and run, then how do you call this? I mean, there's listen, there is no (laughs) there is no way you can look at this and even remotely call this a hit and run. So how did this deputy coroner do this, even though cops said it was a murder? That's what's troubling. It doesn't sound like a bad judgment call. Being a coroner is a difficult job, and I'm sure there are close calls as to what is the cause of death. This one doesn't have any of the hallmarks of a hit and run. So why the insistence? Why, you know, you can say people make the wrong call all the time, but this doesn't feel that way. This feels like a dereliction of duty, maybe some influence from an outside source to to insist that this was something that it wasn't. Right. And that's what's strange to people. Right. Okay, we are going to move to something else that happened uh, today. Uh, last yes, night. Last night, yeah. I'll tell you. I think um, 60 Minutes interviewed Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Leslie, Le- Stahl. Leslie Stahl, who yeah. I think is one of the best interviewers um, and journalists around. Yeah. She's fantastic. Um, 60 Minutes took a lot of heat for this, and I think that's really unfair. Um, a lot of Democrats criticize 60 Minutes for giving Marjorie Taylor Greene a platform. The reality is Marjorie Taylor Greene has power. Yeah. And... You know, you can close your eyes to it and say, I don't want to hear it. That gives them a wide lane to do whatever they want to do. You need to hear it. Yeah. And I think that's what 60 Minutes did. And I think it was really admirable of them knowing they were going to take heat nonetheless to do this. And Leslie was true to form and she was tough and she grilled her. She had done her homework. But I'll, I'll tell you, when you listen, this is just a little clip Um, Listen both to what Marjorie Taylor Greene says and Leslie's reaction. And things she says that are over the top, like... The Democrats are a party of pedophiles. I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. They are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? Democrats, Democrats support, even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. Wow. Okay. I love... Leslie Stahl is now a meme. I, I, this may be her first moment on the internet because that eye roll right there with the wow. It says everything. She was incredulous as she should be. She pushed back on these points and said how ridiculous it was to call the Democratic Party pedophiles and so forth. Um, 
platforming Marjorie Taylor Greene is what the, you know Democrats are upset upset about, or some segment of the population. But you're right; it, it, she's a player. She's a player, and to ignore the reality of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene's role in the Republican Party and the voice that she has is to play into the narrative of Republicans that the Democrats don't even want to hear from us. They're ignoring the reality. You have to sort of engage. You have to. It's the only way that this can work. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 expose these ridiculous ideas. You but, have to do it. But it's also it's it's become. You know, th- we we talked about the tribalism before, mm-hmm. and th- this is, you know, when people watch the cable news network that aligns with their views, this is all part of it. That people don't want to hear what they disagree with anymore. They only want to hear what they agree with on both sides. Yes, on both sides. And then what happens is number one, they're ignorant because you got to understand the, you've got to see the full picture, yeah. and both sides have a level of ignorance by not understanding what the other side is saying because I guess they're not getting it, but they choose to watch what they agree with. Yes. And and I've always thought that's just nuts. And, you know, and I think what Leslie Stahl did and what 60 Minutes did is they said, look, you know, just because you're listening doesn't make that right. right. It means that you need to hear it and you can challenge it. And that's the idea of free speech. And Leslie Stahl... I think, with a wow and an eye roll, um, did a lot um, in the area of, you know, challenging somebody for ridiculous comments. I mean, to say that the Democrats or Joe Biden is a pedophile because he supports, you know, transgender rights with children. That, I mean, look it up, Marjorie. Let me ask you a question, though. She had her on, on 60 Minutes. She does this interview. She rolls her eyes at her. Now do you choke the oxygen from someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene and not give her any more platform? She's now espoused her views on 60 Minutes. Does she have to continue to be part of the conversation? Or does this do something to say, now we don't talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene because look at how absurd this is? At some point, that, that argument comes back into play that you need to marginalize people with absurd fringe views. Kanye West, at some point, we yeah. heard his views on anti-Semitism or we we heard his views on Hitler and enough was enough. Yeah, but you know the difference? He's uh, not in power. Yeah, <laughs> Kanye West is not in power. Marjorie Taylor Greene has a lot of power. Yeah. So if you want to say, okay, she's had one, one, you know, first of all, these views are not unique. She's talked about them before. But to say, okay, we're not going to talk to her anymore, it's the same point. It's yep. the tribalism. It's, okay, now we put her out. Okay, let's ignore her. Let's just listen to what we want to hear. That's wrong. Right. That is wrong. It's not democracy. And it's also not the way to win. No. Because the way to win is to understand your opponent and then to deal with the arguments they make. If you don't listen, you're not dealing. And if you're not dealing, you're not you're not confronting. Yes. And then voters are gonna say, Oh, well, I listen to one network and I and and I think she's great, and the other are gonna say she's the devil. But nobody is having that debate. And that's why I think this was so important yes. and so ridiculous, and but yet predictable that 60 Minutes would be would be highly criticized for doing this. Yes. Here's what I think it's incumbent upon 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl. Someone from 60 Minutes needs to have now AOC sit down and they need to press her as well. The, 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 the elements of both parties that have gone sort of very far in one direction, I think now you'll hear Republicans say, well, Fine, you've exposed some lies that Marjorie Taylor Greene with some of her ideas. You have to be hard on AOC as well. That that's what they're looking for is you can't just say we're these fringe batshit elements without also looking at what has happened to the the Democratic Party. Well, correct? I, well, I mean there has to be some balance there. Yeah. She can't softball her. And what's really interesting, because there are some similarities in these parties, because on the one hand, you don't have Republicans by and large 
criticizing people like Marjorie Taylor Greene right. and Matt Gates and and Bobart and all. On the other side, you know, Joe Biden seems somewhat fearful about criticizing you know, people on the far left of his party. Sure. And, you know, they're it's pulled some of his policies in that direction, maybe for good, maybe for bad. But it's a reality. Yeah, it, it is a reality. And it also shows that there are, you know, look, I mean, everybody talks about this, that the majority of Americans, probably 80 percent. And again, I'm guessing are probably, you know, moderate left, moderate right when you put them all together. And so there are about, you know, 20 percent that are running the conversation. Yes. And everybody else is kind of collapsing. And that's why I like 60 Minutes, because they knew they'd get criticized just the way Joe Biden knew he would get criticized if he would, you know, go after people on the left for views he doesn't believe in or people on the right um, not criticizing Donald Trump. Yep. 60 Minutes didn't care about the criticism. They did what they did. And I think that's, honestly, I think that's really noble of them. Yeah. I really do. I, I agree. I, I watched Meet the Press this weekend, not to get too political, but I saw Joe Manchin there, who now feels Oh, I saw like, that too. Did you see that? Okay, so it's not as entertaining as that. I can see the appeal of people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like AOC. They say things that are more provocative. They say things that are more interesting, that are more sort of television-ready uh, sort of takes. And you see someone like The Middle, and it's not as interesting. It's on Meet the Press. It's, it's a less sort of engaging idea. Yet, I think the bulk of the country is sitting there in the middle and we're all having to pick sides that we don't really like kicking and screaming. Doesn't uh, it feel that way? It does. And just since you mentioned that, I, I do want to say one other thing that's really been bugging me, that you've got people like Joe Manchin, who mostly sides with Democrats, but sure. sometimes doesn't. And he was just grilled mm -hmm. um, this weekend. You know, how could you not, how could you not um, side with Joe Biden on the debt ceiling? Yes. And, you know, and he looked at everybody, he looked at me and said, hey, you know what? We have spent like $8 trillion during COVID where we're in just in debt, 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 debt. And you can't run a country where you just keep writing these blank checks for money you don't have. And that's a principle that everybody should understand. But if it doesn't align with the Democratic prevailing view... Joe Manchin is viewed as a traitor. Yes. And, you know, and Kristen Sinema, too. Now, I, she's a little bit different. But still, you know, the idea that Democrats should only vote Democratic and Republicans only vote Democrat, it belies the whole idea that people are close to that middle line. And sometimes when you're close to the middle line, you agree with one side, maybe 70, 80 percent of the time, and then maybe 20 percent of the time or so on the other side. But the idea that you have to blindly support one party it's just goes to this tribalism that is really endangering this country. And everybody thinks it's the other side that is causing the danger to the country. But it's both sides. It's both sides. I agree completely. And why would we want a representative who has abdicated their judgment? People elected Joe Manchin because they want him to press their interests because they believe in him. Why do you want him to go in there and just vote the party line? We could have a robot. You could send in chat GPT. You elect Joe Manchin because you believe in his judgment. And it, this party line voting, this tribalism is tearing the country apart. I, it's I, awful. I, I, I think it's not just tearing the country apart. I think it's really endangering the country. Because, if, because look, the idea that people can't be free thinkers is the beginning of the end. Agreed. Okay. Well, what, a, what an uplifting ending in our in our college well, and law school uh, shirts. What's real is real. It's really hot, so I got to get out of here. See you there. Bye.